There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. It's the rate that's a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say the will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to Climactic, the climate change podcast for our climactic times. I'm your host for today, Mark Spencer. And if you're here in Climactic for the very first time, welcome Consider this your lounge room between your ears, where you can sit down and have a chat about the exciting, terrifying times we're in. There's a good chance that you, yes you listening to this right now, are new to Climactic. And that's because you've come here through the Facebook group, My Efficient Electric Home. There's a good reason for this, as the guest of this episode is Tim Forsey, the founder of My Efficient Electric Home, the Facebook group about electrifying your home and making it as efficient as possible. Who'd have guessed? The Facebook group is a fantastic resource for all things home efficiency, reducing your power bills, and reducing your emissions. So while we do talk about home efficiency a little bit in this episode, if that's what you've come for, I highly recommend you dive into the Facebook group. And if you'd like a whole show dedicated to energy efficiency, well, just let us know. In today's episode with Tim, we talk about his backstory how we started the group, and why. How it's grown and changed over the last four years. What it's like to run and moderate a Facebook group of nearly 7,000 members, and the cumulative real-world effect the group has had. Spoiler alert, it's many millions of dollars in home efficiency improvements. So now I've got you all excited to hear the episode, there's just a couple pieces of housekeeping to get out of the way first, which housekeeping item number one, is Climactic is rapidly on its way to becoming a podcast network, which means we're expanding out of the one current show to adding a few more. This means we're actively looking for more hosts, more correspondents, and more editors. We've got the word out in a couple of different places, and thank you to all you lovely people who've already gotten in touch. If you're interested as well, just drop me an email to hello at climactic.fm, and we can have a chat. Item number two, you can now support us on Pausable. So if you're enjoying the show and want to see us continue and grow and improve, that is a great way to do it. So if you're able and willing, you can find a link to our Pausable page in the show notes. And if you're able to give us even just a dollar a month, we'd greatly appreciate it. And that means we can keep widening the tent, training and empowering more podcasters and developing more media skills in the climate community. If you're not in the position to support us monetarily, that's absolutely fine. But if you could share the word about us to a few friends, we'd appreciate that just as much. And now with a lot of great tips on how to save money off your power bill and to create an efficient electric home of your very own, here's Tim Forsey. Enjoy. Well, Tim, thank you so much for having me to your home. It's lovely. We've met before we we met actually geez nearly two years ago at this point uh back you know when you just said mark what do you do and i would have 
wouldn't have said climate anywhere on the top 10 list. It's a funny little story, and actually it, it kind of, I think, might parallel yours a little bit, potentially. So I'd love to know how you got involved in this and how you became the my efficient electric home guy. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, my wife and I had just moved back to Melbourne to settle for good. We'd got a house sit with what turned out to be a close family friend of yours, and this was just Tim, family friend, coming around for dinner. I'd say, oh, Tim, what do you do? And you said, oh, I used to be a chemical engineer, and now I work on energy efficiency and, and climate change stuff. And I said, oh, that's, that's lovely, and had no follow-on questions, which I feel really bad for now. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Wait, is that right? I mean, I could start interviewing you, but... Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it then, is. And then, you know, so what happened with you that you, uh, shortly thereafter, I think, got uh, very, very much involved? Yeah, it, it was um, a conversation with past guest, Liz O'Dwyer, and it's time I kind of give her an, some kudos again. I met her at a conference about the hospitality industry, which I was working at the time in sales. She had some very eye-opening things to say about the hospitality industry's impact on emissions, specifically on food waste and the kind of the waste inherent in the industry. And I realized, oh, I'm not, I haven't stepped outside of this problem. I'm very much part of it and on the wrong side. And I'd, I'd arrived here from living in China and had been very concerned then about the problem, but arriving in Australia thought, oh, this is much better here. Everything's fine here. Get a, a normal career and be one of one of the normals and enjoy being in the lucky country. But of course, the more you learn, the less you can remain uh, undecided. Well, um, well, that's right. And so congratulations to you for uh, all the good work that you're doing now with all these podcasts. So uh, that's a good effort. Thank you very much, Tim. And so how, how about yourself, though? Because you know, you, you had a very long, you had a very long career as a chemical engineer. When people refer to you as the efficient energy home guy, do you think that's a fair moniker and do you kind of like that label? Oh, sure, these days. So I'm 61 years old now and I characterize myself as semi-retired, but I worked for decades in the petrochemical and oil and gas business in America, around the world, in Australia, ended up migrating to Australia. And so that was my career as a chemical engineer for quite a long time. But now as I look at uh, semi-retirement, it uh, uh, sort of is a hobby dating back even 10, 12 years ago. We started helping people to reduce their energy use in their homes. And that was something I knew a little bit about. And so it became a bit of a hobby to learn more and more. And sure, so these days, um, for any listeners out there, the Facebook group is My Efficient Electric Home. And it's just gone off recently, I gotta tell you. I mean, it's, we're coming up on our fourth anniversary but we're up to 6,700 members and we're getting 30 new members a day. So uh, for the first year we had 100 members. So that shows you how slowly these things start, but now it's really taking off. And right now at the moment, we're in midwinter in Melbourne in particular and elsewhere around Australia. Most of our members at the Facebook group are Australian. And so they're really interested in talking about dealing with this uh, midwinter uh, weather situation with their, their homes. So it's been a lot of fun and I've, I've learned quite a bit more about home energy yeah, my career was industrial energy, but uh, here this is taking it down to the home level, and yeah, it's been quite a bit of fun. Congratulations. It has become quite a force in the consumer energy space. The problems that are facing householders are are very real, and as apparent from the, the growth in the group, people are looking for solutions to, yes, for the issues of emissions and climate change, but, but I assume a primary driver is cost and cutting bills. Well, that's right. I mean, in Australia, energy prices have just shot up so much in recent years. It was first it was electricity, but then gas decided to join in as well. 
Now homeowners do have different options. If you've got the solar panels, you can be generating your own electricity. You're unlikely to be generating your own gas. And so there's lots of options for people to think about. Unless you so, can rig up a pipe to dad to yeah, harvest right. that gas. That's right. There's a lot of things that people can be doing in their homes and they want to do, but where do you go for good information? And there are good information sources out there, but even they can be hard to find. So a lot of people know about Facebook these days. They'll find my efficient electric home there and, and they'll look, oh, great, I'll just lob in this question. One of the reasons I started the group is because I would get a lot of questions and I didn't really have time myself to chase them all down individually. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll get uh, 400 other experts, say, on the, uh, the Facebook group to help out these people. So you can lob in a question and you'll get all sorts of answers. And then you have to decide later what the, what the correct one is. So there's a lot of directions we could take this chat, Tim. You, you've got a long career behind you. You've got a lot of experiences leading up to now. You've got, I know you are working on stuff as well. So we could talk about you know, current projects at BZE, your time you've just come back from Canberra doing home energy audits and helping people in consultations. But I think... I think My Efficient Electric Home is a really good way of leveraging, as you said, getting experts together into a place to really help a mass amount of people. So maybe if we do sort of focus on, on that group a little bit here, I really appreciate and applaud you got the plug straight in, and we're going to be talking a lot about it. So thank you for helping steer that. Well, you do have to say it about six times because you'll, you'll talk about it at a presentation, and at the end, someone will come up and they'll oh, be like, sorry. my what? <laughs> so My Efficient Electric home. And there is nothing else like it on the internet, Facebook or anywhere else, that you can go and get this information. Now, you'll find it's mostly Australia uh, question and answer and things specific for Australia. So we only have like 100 members from the US. And there'd be reasons why they wouldn't be that interested because it's the other time of year in the Northern Hemisphere compared to all the questions that are coming up down here right now. So when we first started it, we didn't know where it would go, how global it, was be, it would be. In the beginning, we probably had a lot of people come on from England or India, but uh, these days it really mostly is an Australian thing. I'd be happy to see more, more New Zealand people get in. They must have the same issues there. But uh, there is no other source of information like it on the internet that I have found. There, there were various forums where, where people would chat. Um, Whirlpool forums was kind of a technical place that people could talk about these things. But Facebook, like it or loathe it, does come with a, a lot of functionality. And particularly what I like is uploading photos. So people will lob in a question and I'll get onto them straight away and say, hey, give us a photo of that. You know, you're talking about your house, let's see your house. You're talking about your insulation, you know, crawl up there, get a photo. Because that, that's a thousand words, you know, and uh, really stimulates the conversation. And that's one thing you have with Facebook that you can, can manage the conversations that way and the graphics and the photographs that other forums uh, never did. Um, you know, there's print media. There's people that try to help out with magazines and things, and that's great. And I, I subscribe to some. You'll get a magazine, and you'll see in there, you know, they have people write in, ask questions, and they'll answer 10 questions a quarter. We answer more than 10 questions before breakfast. So that's what we're trying to do is help people out. You're extremely active on there. I see you on there answering questions very regularly because, you know, I'm your friend on Facebook. That's largely the route through which I see updates from the group. Being a person in my late 20s without a lot of homeowner friends, it's not quite my peer group yet that is asking questions about how to make their home more efficient, sadly. What do you find is, is a quite common question. I thought maybe if we could talk about maybe two or three of your most commonly asked questions on the group is kind of maybe a, a taster for people listening of what gets talked about, but also then to be like, what are the answers to that? So hopefully we can avoid you getting asked the same question 
a couple hundred more times. No, no, we definitely will get asked, asked the same no, question no, but over and over again. a smart, educated, climactic listener who are very and that, attractive. And that's fun. But uh, the other thing on the Facebook group is uh, it's got a search function, which is just as good as Google. So I can go in there and I can find the second post I ever made. If you know, you know, some keywords and what you're searching for. So a lot of members, I'm sure, do get on there and they just use the search function. I think, I think you can actually search it even without being a member. So I call those onlookers, and we don't know how many onlookers we have. We may have 6,700 current members, but don't know how many onlookers. So I think they can search it too, and we really encourage people to do that. Just you type in induction or heat pump or insulation or whatever, and you know, you'll get all these discussions we've had over the last four years and hopefully find the answer. My colleague and uh, co-admin at the group, Richard Keach, wrote a book for Beyond Zero Emissions called uh, Energy Freedom Home. And the whole energy freedom thing there, which came out of the BZE Buildings Plan that uh, I contributed as a volunteer back in, say, 2012, I think they had nine areas in a home that you could focus on. And you do find the questions coming out of all nine areas. So what would it be? It'd be like the building envelope. So that's your draft proofing and your insulation. So a lot of people have questions about draft proofing and insulation, and that could lead on to ventilation. Uh, windows is another big question. How, how do you get the right windows? What's the proper blinds to have on the inside? What sort of blinds should you have on the, on the outside? The heating and cooling systems, of course, and that's probably one of my key areas because I'm a chemical engineer and I like equipment, that sort of thing. And what we identified is it can be so much cheaper to heat your house by using a reverse cycle air conditioner than using gas, and we'll come back to that. But uh, the heating and cooling systems that you use, hot water, again, you can use a heat pump to heat your hot water, so that's another common question. What's the best sort of heat pump to get? Or should I stick with like a rooftop solar thermal hot water system? Those sorts of questions. Lighting, we've seen a big transition away from the old halogen lighting to the more efficient LED lighting. So that's another area that people focus on. Look, it's just the whole house, really, and efficient electric home. We don't talk about wood heaters, so there must be other Facebook groups that people can go if they want to ask questions about wood heaters, but we're an electric home that doesn't burn anything. So it's, at our group, we don't burn stuff. We don't burn gas. We don't burn LPG. We don't burn wood. It's really everything else about the house, the energy issues, how you manage it, how you be comfortable. You know, it took a few years, but we finally got down to dog doors. I mean, which is the most uh, draft-effective dog door that you can get? And when we reached dog door, why well, I thought, well, there we go. We've, uh, you know, we've covered every issue. But then I'm sure there have been a, a few other new issues have come up since then. So one thing I noticed in that, the terminology is very important for people to wrap their heads around and, and get used to what these terms are and what they mean. Because once you've gotten past the obstacle of what's a building envelope, which is not a common thing. It's not like you get taught that in school. It's not like you're interacting with that concept in regular life. Once you get past the stumbling block of what is this term and what does it mean, things start to make a lot of sense. You know, what is ventilation? It's simply, it's airflow. How often is the air in your home changing over? And what thermal gains or losses is happening to that air in that process? You know, for me, it was starting to work with ERA, which has been a, a really cool thing to get to do. But I've definitely come in as a layperson. So getting to talk to mechanical services engineers and everything has been right, great. Right, yes, the, the heating and ventilation air conditioner people, yes. That's right. They're very good people to, to take you from zero knowledge up to more than you could probably handle at one sitting. How much of the hurdle do you think it is for someone new just becoming familiar with the terminology? And then the rest kind of starts to make sense after that. Well, and I think that's where the, uh, you know, the search function helps out. So people could have a question. They could type in that. They could start to read some stuff, educate themselves, and then become a bit more confident, I suppose, that they are speaking the lingo. Yeah, some people will get on there and say, look, this is a stupid question, but, and they're never stupid. 
I mean, that's would be like, well, that's an excellent question. <laughs> or they might say, you know, admin, you can delete this, but I want to ask this. And I'm like, well, this is completely relevant. You know, this is very important to what we're doing here. So I really, we haven't. This, but I can also just delete the whole group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but um, no, I don't know if Facebook will let you do that. I've started a few other groups, you know, and I've had tried to delete them. They're still out there too. They didn't take off quite to this extent. If anyone wants to go hunting to see that, yes, Tim is indeed a human with not every project turns to gold. <laughs> that's right. Sure, sure. You try Same things. With me. You try yeah. things, and you never know what'll happen. I mean, if you go back the four years before we started this. I, I was fortunate after finishing work with in industry to get uh, an opportunity to do various research projects with the University of Melbourne. And one of them finally got around to looking at uh, home economics, the economics of heating and cooling your house, that sort of thing. And that's where we were able to publish some credible information. And we had determined how people could save so much money by not using gas in their home. And so Melbourne Uni was one route to publicize that. And we got some press and we got some media and boom, then you're done. You've, you've launched your report. What do you do next? And I think it was probably one of the kids that said, uh, hey, dad, there's this thing called Facebook. Have you ever heard of it? And I'm like, no, no, what's that? Uh, you know, and, oh, it's this social media thing. So they were really the ones that said you could start up a group and off you go. And in fact, we did have a family group. So we had started a little family group with Facebook and they said, well, this is how it works for the family. You could do that for your air conditioning family, for your heat pump family. And so that's what we did, and uh, it started slowly and has grown since then. So a great example of this, of, of how explaining to people is, is quite a hurdle and it's quite a, a repeating kind of task you have to do of, of getting people familiar with the concepts that you're using in the group. Is last night at the Bayside Climate Action Group, you were presenting, uh, it was a very, very good talk. And then I noticed later that night, because you were getting quite a few questions from that crowd talking about heat pumps, they wanted to know how a heat pump works, what the concepts were. So I, I noticed either last night or this morning, you actually posted up a video of explaining the principles of how heat pumps work. Yeah, the um, video is excellent, isn't it? And again, that's part of the whole Facebook platform that you can post videos. But you know, there hadn't been a good heat pump video that it existed. Look, I, you know, I will search the internet every month to try and find one. But I think I was on LinkedIn and your mate Phil Wilkinson from ERA, the air conditioning folks, he had published one about how a refrigerator works and it's excellent. And I, on LinkedIn, I said, Phil, if you ever see a good one about heat pumps, but it led me to search again on the internet for a good heat pump video. And finally there was one. It was created back in October last year. And so now we've uploaded that to a link to it, to my efficient electric home. And even that video, look, um, my wife won't mind me saying she still doesn't understand how we're heating the house because heat pumps are interesting things that people can have trouble getting their head around. But it all starts like with a refrigerator. So everybody has a heat pump if they've got a refrigerator. And what a refrigerator does is it pumps the heat away from your food and puts it out in your kitchen by using circulating refrigerant. And it goes back to, you know, the 1800s when this was invented mm -hmm. and the first ice making and refrigerators and all that. Well, those are heat pumps. If you want to make ice, you got to pump the heat out of the water so that it'll freeze. And then you put that heat somewhere else. But, you know, heat likes to naturally go from a hot place to a cold place and warm up the water and keep the ice from forming. So a heat pump is the thing that can turn that around backwards and get the heat to move in the direction opposite to natural flow. Very much like a water pump. A water likes to run downhill. So what do you need? You need a water pump if you want to pump water uphill. What do you do if you want to get heat to move in the direction opposite to natural flow? 
Well, you get a heat pump, and that's what a refrigerator is. So it's basically pumping heat out of your food into your kitchen. And that's why they say leave the spaces around your refrigerator free so that that heat can escape from the refrigerator into your kitchen. Which none of us do. Well, that's another thing. But actually, <laughs> modern refrigerators are so efficient and well-designed these days, they actually know you're going to treat them badly like that and stick them in a cabinet or something, and they'll still work. So that's pretty amazing, because the technology has come a long way in recent years. And so then the next thing was air conditioning. And so someone decided, hey, what if we could use a refrigerator to cool a whole room? And that was the beginning of air conditioning. So what do you do with air conditioning in the summertime, cooling, space cooling, is you need to pump the heat out of your room outside. The heat doesn't want to go outside because it's hot out there. It would rather come inside. But you use the refrigeration system to collect the heat from inside the room and pump it outside. And if you got one of those split system sort of air conditioners, and if you go stand near the outdoor unit of the air conditioner on a 40 degree day, the heat coming out of that air conditioner will be immense. And that is the heat that it is pushing out of your room. Thank goodness, so now it's outside. But then someone said, what if we want to, instead of cooling a room, what if we wanted to heat one? And then that was the invention of the reverse cycle air conditioner. So basically, in the opposite season, in winter, you can flip the switch, you turn around backwards, and the refrigerant can get heat from outside and pump it into your house. And so in this case, if you have a reverse cycle air conditioner, and if you turn it on in the winter and go stand next to it, it'll be cold outside, but the air around the air conditioner will be even colder because the refrigerant in there might be minus 30 degrees, which means it can still absorb heat even if outside your house it's 10 degrees or one degree or minus 10 or minus 20, it will still work and it can draw heat from the air. As was mentioned last night, there's always heat in the air until we get down to minus 250, which is absolute zero. So, you know, at minus uh, 240, with the right refrigerant and the right heat pump, you could still get heat out of the air. But fortunately, we, if we have an easier time here getting heat from our air around our homes and bringing it inside. And the technology has improved so much, you have to purchase one unit of energy to turn the compressor and the fans and things associated with the equipment, but with that you can get six units of heat. So one you pay for, the other five are free. It's free renewable heat, and the, I say the best thing about free renewable heat is that it's free. The gas company can't charge you for it. It's outside your house. Buy an air conditioner and go get it. Now it's time for Climactic Community Corner where we play voice messages sent to us on Facebook. We're opening up this space for the community to share events, news, thoughts, feelings, all sorts. If you've got a message to share, just send it to us at Climactic Show on Facebook or hello at climactic.fm. Hi everyone at Climactic, this is Samantha Jewell from earth.io. We'd love you to join us this month. We have Augustine approved pet expert talking about medicines and ways to help your pets stay healthy we'd love to see you down there please sign up and if you're interested about keeping your pet alive for a long time and being part of the solution are you tired of your environment not being the people's in power's first priority are you tired of the climate emergency not being front page news then come peacefully rebel on the streets on october 7th for a whole week head to your nearest extinction rebellion chapter to find out more Sponsored by people who actually give a damn about the future of the planet. And for the final Community Corner announcement this week, it's me. It's Mark. Hi. Just wanted to let you know about the bonus episode we released yesterday, Friday, the 5th of July. 
It features the story of a young man out in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne in Knox fighting to save a local lake from destruction. An interview from Hong Kong about the record-shattering protests that are rocking that city. It's a great community-powered episode, and I didn't want you to miss out. If you'd like to share a message on Community Corner, just send us an audio message. Or if you need any help, just send me an email at hello at climactic.fm. Community Corner is brought to you by our generous supporters. And you can be one, too. And you can help us secure our future and become bigger and better faster. Just follow the link in the show notes or from our website, climactic.fm. Thank you. So we're speaking the day after World Refrigeration Day. So you did mention, yes, refrigeration developed in the 1800s in Geelong by William Harrison. And thank you for the shout out to Phil. Hey, Phil, if you're listening. I know you are. Refrigeration, of course, did change the world. We had a complete revolution in shipping and transport and where things were grown, how they were moved, what people ate where. With what you're talking about being that level of, of revolutionary change as well, and with the backdrop, with the with the kind of ever-looming fact that the current way of doing things is directly leading to global warming, is contributing to climate change, is a source of emissions. Do you kind of feel that that poignancy, that that sense of excitement of being on the not only on the cusp, but actually you're starting to surf down the wave of quite big shifts in technology leading to how society works. Does it feel like a, a big, you know, wave cresting moment? And do you get the chance to talk about that very much? Um, I, I probably just see a long transition in front of us. So no, I don't get too excited from day to day. Sorry, but that's the, my job to that's get very right. excited. But the concept we're talking about is the all electric home. So um, you've heard about electric vehicles. You know, they're going to displace the vehicles where we used to run around burning things. So with fires inside of these cars, they would propel themselves. Gee, how amazing was that technology? The internal combustion engine. But makes a lot more sense to just stick a battery in the thing and it'll be a lot simpler for everybody. And the same thing with the, uh, the electric home. In Australia now, the economics are such that you can save yourself ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 into the future by setting up your home, whether it's a new one or just to changing things over time as you go along, to the all-electric situation, and you stop burning stuff. I mean, gas, uh, look, if, you, if you'd come to market today and, and you knocked on the door, or maybe with the regulator, the government said, hey, I got this new energy product. Um, you know, we don't need to use all that electricity and heat pumps anymore. We, I've got this new product. What is it? Oh, well, it's this, this gaseous material that... Um, that, uh, you know, is combustible, and it's like, well, you can set fire to this stuff. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound very safe. And what if it gets lo loose in your house? Well, yeah, it could poison, or, you know, you could breathe enough of it while you could pass out. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So we've got this flammable, toxic, noxious material. Where's it come from? Oh, well, we're drilling a million wells across the, the countryside in, in the, the Northern Territory and in New South Wales and Queensland. That's where it comes from. And then it, it comes down in these big pipelines, which, uh, you know, we looked after them really well so they don't leak and explode and, and emit greenhouse gases. Oh, oh, it's a greenhouse gas, is it? Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention it's also a greenhouse gas. Look, if you tried to bring that totally onto the market today... Totally not a national security risk either. <laughs> yeah, if you tried to bring it on the market, they would laugh at you. So we're kind of looking at it the other way. We do burn gas in houses, and so we think we're fine, kind of comfortable with it. But when you look at it the other way, it's uh, absolutely silly now that we have more economic alternatives, such as the reverse cycle air conditioner, which can not only heat your house, but it can cool your house, it can filter your air, 
it can do so many things that uh, your gas furnace is never going to do. So with the way you've been able to disseminate this information through the Facebook group, with the amount of members you've gotten, also the amount of changes that those people have made to their homes through the group, you've kind of in aggregate made a really big impact to emissions. You've made a big impact to households not contributing to global warming. Do you kind of put it into that context very often? Yeah, I, when I started the group, I was still at, with Melvin Uni. You know, I was a casual researcher, and I started a group there. And so I was able to publish a few articles about the group out of Melvin Uni and even called it a research project, because it is, really. And in the early days, even in the first year, with just a handful of 100 or 200 members, I went through, did the research, went through the posts exhaustively, and we had already may influence like a million dollars of investment decisions. So people building a new house. Oh, I was going to set it up with ducted gas heating and evaporative cooling. Well, I won't do that anymore. I'll spend $20,000 in a different direction. And so when you add it all up, it was very quickly millions of dollars of uh, investments that we, that we were influencing. Now it's going to be millions of dollars a month that we're influencing. Um, so yeah, that is quite significant. But it still is only 6,000 members. I did a calculation for Victoria, the state of Victoria here, which we probably have like two and a half million homes on gas. Mm -hmm. And the Victorian government wants to get off fossil fuels, they say, or zero emissions by 2050. Well, it works out that we got to get gas out of 350 homes in Victoria every working day from now to 2050. So we need to decarbonize 350 homes a day starting today. The longer we wait, the harder it gets. Or if we wanted to do it by 2040, it would even be a bigger number. So uh, the Facebook group is one example, but it does need to go to much higher levels where government starts to realize, right, we're going to stop putting new homes on gas and we're also going to be helping people to decarbonize their homes, A, because they can save money, they reduce health risks, the gas is not going to burn you or poison you once you get rid of it, and a number of those other benefits. So obviously we need other levels in, of engagement before we can start uh, transforming 350 homes a day in Victoria and same in New South Wales and all the other states and, and even internationally. So there's a, a big uh, lot of work required. We're only just getting started. Here in Victoria, using this as the example, because this is where we both live, uh, in the state of Victoria, we have a solar incentive scheme where the, the state government is rebating the cost of solar panels for households. Uh, this includes renters as well, so I'm very excited about that prospect. Do you think the state government is doing kind of the best job it can to communicate why households need to change and communicate what the incentives and rebates are. It kind of Are they staying in their lane and doing the best they can? And is the Facebook group kind of the natural kind of complement that state government effort needs? Because I couldn't imagine the state government ever running a group like your group as effectively as you have with as much sort of humanity and, and relatability as you have. The state government, that's not where their strength lies. So you're, you seem to be this great yeah, collaborative kind of coexisting effort alongside what the government's doing. Do you see that as kind of like a very good example going forward of how kind of private and state actors can work together to a, a better outcome, such as electrifications of homes? Sure, we can, we can always work together and do more together, and governments can always do more. I think I took it upon myself a few months ago to look at the information that this Victorian government was offering to consumers. And they got a lot of web pages, and some of them will be more up to date than others. Took it upon myself to look at a couple different web pages, and I probably wrote them four pages of comments as to you know what wasn't quite right anymore on those web pages. They were out of date. 
gas used to be seen as this clean, green alternative to coal. And the uh, gas industry is quite happy to keep selling that message. They did mention that reverse cycle air conditioners were probably the cheaper way to go, but they didn't say that it was by a lot. Um, in our home, well, I was paying three times as much to heat our home with gas than when I finally converted over to the air conditioners. So that's quite a dramatic difference. Not every home will be like that. I think the way the government was covering was, it was a bit narrow because there's a lot of different types of homes out there. You can't just pick one set of assumptions and say, right, this is, here's some numbers for you. So there's better ways that they could be describing things. But right, you're ne they're never going to have a Facebook group. You know, I would have been happy to handball this Facebook group off to practically anybody over the last four years. And I've talked to not-for-profit organizations who are active in this space and organizations like that. But um, even they're not going to take it on because you can imagine it could go off the rails. It never has. But that has to do with the amount of effort that you put into it. And maybe the, the power that just some independent administrator has as opposed to if it were an organization well, if somebody didn't like what you, uh, what you, uh, how you manage the group, well, they might come to knocking on your door and say, well, you know, what are you, how are you doing this? And then there'd be a, a big discussion. So now Facebook groups are things that um, probably are going to remain in the realm of individuals too hard for organizations. I've had other folks who wanted to start up, get some discussions going on Facebook in other areas. Like there, there's a group that where we talk about just the electricity grid. So um, it became clear that People wanted to talk about the bigger picture of the electricity grid, but in my efficient electric home was not the place to do it. So we started another group for that. And then I started another group where people can talk about the gas market. And then another fellow started a group where we can talk about distributed energy, where homes and businesses can work together to share energy and those sorts of things. To use the, the buzzword there, microgrids. Microgrids, yes. Yeah. So there are all these other groups up there. But when the one fellow was saying, should I have a Facebook group or a Facebook page, I told him, well, Facebook pages are easy and of little value. Facebook groups are difficult but of tremendous value. So you can make your choice there as to which way you want to go. <laughs> and so some people will refer to My Efficient Electric Home as a, as a Facebook page. And I actually get a little bit angry about that because it's not a page, it's a group. Uh, pages don't accomplish so much. A group is a huge group of people helping each other. That's good. It was actually a question I was going to ask him on sort of your advice to other people looking to start up other groups as well, because it's a very obvious the amount of impact that My Efficient Electric Home has had. And there are, of course, other areas in which communication about something between people is going to make a difference. You're going to be able to ask advice. You're going to be able to see that you're not the only one thinking about this. Be able to uh, simply the, a forum for talking about the gas market or the, the national energy grid, that's, that's f fascinating. I'd find that really interesting, but I would struggle to find a friend to have a conversation with about that down at the pub. But I could do that on Facebook easily. What was an early lesson for you? You've had, you know, you started a few of these groups. What's something that seemed like a good idea at the time but wasn't and you wouldn't recommend someone else to do if they were starting from scratch? Well, actually what worked for us is we weren't always my efficient electric home. Originally we were a group and our purpose in life was to discuss how to operate one particular air conditioner. So we were that very narrow. specific. We were that narrow. We started out as the, uh, the Dakin US-7 discussion group. And because it's a very high-tech piece of equipment, Look, we just bought a, a heat pump dryer. I want to start a Facebook group just to try and understand how the heck that AEG heat pump dryer works. My wife and I are still trying to figure it out. You know, you look at the manual, you look at some things on the internet, and you still can't work it out. Because this equipment just comes with so many functions and, and different options, you know, you're left scratching your head. How do I get the best out of it? 
So a few of us had bought this air conditioner that had every bell and whistle and, and all these different ways. We're still trying to figure it out. And that's how the group started for the first two years. And that's why I probably didn't have a huge amount of members at the beginning. But it was very obvious at the beginning that people did want to branch out into a broader space, which we've kept contained to the home. So I would say to folks, start really narrow. If you do have 10 friends who want to talk about something very specific, very narrow, go ahead and start that way. But then be a bit relaxed if the discussion goes a little bit broader. And then maybe two years down the track when you've grown and the discussions have broadened, you might change the name of the thing because really you're talking about something a bit broader now. Whereas I've seen other groups that start with really broad stuff. One, for example, recently, there's a great new film out, 2040, The Regeneration, which uh, was created by a producer here local to Melbourne, Damon Gamo. And we went to see the movie and it was excellent. Came back home. Sure enough, there was a Facebook group for 2040, The Regeneration. But that is so broad. That is climate change. That is the problem. That is what we should do about it. It's agriculture. It's energy. It's everything. It's so broad. Okay, it serves a, a purpose and people can do some things there. Yeah, it's, it's an on-ramp to find something to do. It's a directory. It, yeah, it's a directory. And so what happens is I posted, or actually one of our members was the first to post something about my efficient electric home at 2040, the regeneration. Mm -hmm. Boom, now we have a whole flood of members coming over from 2040, the regeneration, because that's very broad. And they're like, well, what can I do? Or what can I do maybe in my own home? Mm -hmm. Aha, my efficient electric home is here. Perfect for that purpose and already running for four years. So, so that's, a, that's probably my advice is start narrow, unless you have a successful film, then you can do what you want. <laughs> but uh, if you have a narrow topic, you'd like to get some discussion happening, start narrow, write a good group description. We've never had a lot of rules and disclaimers and legalities. If I had to do that, I'd quit. And we've never had to. One thing about Facebook, we, we only do accept members that seem to be people and seem to have something that could be almost a real name. You know, we, we don't let businesses come in because we want to be having chats with people. People that own businesses can come in as individuals under their real name. That's fine. And they can tell us about their products. That's great. How else would you learn about all these things? But we don't accept a business name to come in because I, Tim Forsey, I don't want to be chatting with some business. That's just not an equal footing. Yeah. I'm happy to chat with an individual, but not a business. And we don't accept people that might be Godzilla Mozilla or something yeah, coming something in as well. Pseudonymous. Yeah. And I know why people like to hide a bit on Facebook. I used to be Tim Foe. But uh, now I use my real name. But other people will use some, you know, some change to their real name, and that's fine. Yeah. But it's, at least you feel like you're talking with a person, not somebody who just made up some sort of crazy name. Come in as John Smith if you like. Yeah, it, yeah it, totally. it, it sounds like it could be a real person. We're happy with that. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> have to be your exact real name. We don't care, really. Yeah. Yep. But in terms of creating a, a good online community that does feel like a town square or a sitting room, yeah, um, if, uh, come if dressed as a human. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. I'm um, talking about demographics. One thing that I'm really proud of is that um, Facebook tells me we've got 43% uh, identifying as, as female, as women. And what you find with a lot of these techie sort of groups is it's 95% blokes. And we probably started that way. We probably you know, had in US seven technical users guide. You think we might have had a lot of guys and not so many ladies? Potentially. Yeah, I think potentially. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I'm not a stereotype. Yeah, we're we're at forty three percent female, and it that does seem to keep growing. You know, there's no reason we couldn't be more than fifty percent female. So uh, that's really been good to see. I think that has really helped the group as well. That um, it's not just a bunch of blokes talking about electrons or something. Well, this has been a really good primer, I think, in the value that is possible out of a Facebook group about something very important 
how to run it, how to start it. Uh, maybe going back to those early days, though, you said, you know, you got Richard Keech as his co-founder or now co-moderator. When did he join up and how important was it to you to have someone else involved in running the group? Well, early on, it wasn't necessary because there wasn't that much traffic. But I think a couple of years in, I was going to go overseas for a while into an area that didn't necessarily have internet. And uh, Richard's across all this stuff, and he was an active contributor anyway. And I said, hey, Richard, would you like to be an admin just so you can... And the admin roles aren't that onerous. You let the new members in, that sort of thing. You know, once in a blue moon, we will have someone report a post. And so dealing, dealing with that. And so Richard was happy to come in because Richard has been a key expert in this space dating back to when he was probably the lead or, or one of the leaders on the Beyond Zero Emissions uh, Buildings Plan. And then he wrote the book, uh, Energy Freedom Home. So Richard was in there as an admin number two. And then within the last year, we brought in Jenny Edwards or asked Jenny Edwards if she would be happy to help out. Richard had heard of Jenny, I guess. I'd never met her. And so now we've got Jenny. So we've got two guys and one uh, woman. And Jenny's based in Canberra, whereas Richard and I are both Melbourne. So we branched out a bit uh, geographically. And Jenny runs a architectural firm and building science firm. The name is Lighthouse Architecture and Science. And so they're up there improving houses in Canberra. And Jenny's fantastic. She has always been interested in spreading the word how houses can operate better. They can be well insulated. They can not be drafty. They, moisture can be managed. You can get the winter sun in. And so your energy bills aren't very high. That's what she does for a living. Been good to see. And if, um, you know, if we could find some uh, women who are very keen in this area to represent some other regions like Queensland or Western Australia, we'd be happy to um, expand a little bit there in terms of the admin because the group is growing. Yes, and Jenny has actually just won a very prestigious award in Canberra, and I just recently had the chance to, to talk to Jenny for the first time, and she's lovely, and congratulations, Jenny. Yes, certainly, and um, when I first heard about Jenny, you know, I, I figured she was an architect, and I think Richard had recommended her, and I'm like, yeah, it'd be great to have an architect. And I finally met her, and she wasn't an architect. <laughs> so I'm still waiting for a, an architect. just won an architecture to, award, but the most prestigious award given to a non-architect by the Australian architect's body. So. That's right, and it has to do with spreading information out into the community. That's the award that she won. And she didn't think she'd win it for another decade or something, but <laughs> it's certainly well-deserved. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to Canberra just last week because um, we're involved with the government tender where they are looking at... Uh, rolling out uh, other ways to assess homes. And so we trialed nine homes up in Canberra to, uh, so it's a bit of a scoop for you here on Climactic. Um, I suppose I'm able to say at least that much, but it was a good opportunity to spend more time with Jenny to live in her home. So she's got this fantastic home that um, even though it was freezing cold, uh, minus two degrees outside in Canberra, inside without any heat running at that moment, it was the next morning when you wake up, it was 20 degrees still. So that shows you how you can properly design a home Sounds magic. to get through even the worst climate conditions in Australia. So it was good to uh, catch up with Jenny and, and learn a bit more about what she does and also to visit some homes in, in Canberra, which aren't a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're more severe than Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne, we have a heating climate, but up there it gets quite cold. It's, um, you know, minus two or something. And we were in some homes that are really uh, bad in terms of making the occupants comfortable without spending a bomb on the heating bills. Well, there's so many good stories from Canberra, what Jenny's doing. You know, Jenny's own home sounds like that. It's an amazing story how that came about and what best practice she used in the construction of it. Within my efficient electric home itself, there is you know 6,700 members and 6,700 plus stories to tell. 
I'll just put it out here to the, the climactic audience and also to the, the me group audience is probably tuning into this because of Tim that we're always happy to help tell those stories and produce them and, and climactic's looking to grow and add new shows. So I'll put this out there and if there is any interest, I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone who wants to maybe put their hand up to do that. But outside of that, Tim, you yourself, you know, you've got a very interesting career path leading up to this point, and we didn't even touch on your work at University of Melbourne, really, with BZE, your your time working for the fossil fuel industry, which is fascinating as well. And rather than castigating people on the other side, we really need to spend time talking to them and understanding them. I had some very good conversations in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago with people from the fossil fuel industry who were at Climate Reality to get across the, the facts of what's actually going on and be part of the solution. I hope to have you back on in the uh, near future, Tim, when, you, when you're not sick, when you don't have a cough, when your voice is strong again. And thank you so much for your time today. You've been a trooper. Okay. Thanks for uh, having me and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tim. Cheers. That was all right. <laughs> that was excellent. Hey, it's Mark here back in the studio. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. It was really great to sit down with Tim and have a chat in his lovely, comfortable, cozy home in the middle of Melbourne's deep winter. That man really does know what he's talking about when it comes to creating a comfortable, efficient electric home. Tim's also an expert on a lot more than just home efficiency, as we touched on briefly in this episode. He's been doing a lot of work with BZE, Beyond Zero Emissions, which is in the world's top 50 think tanks, which is based here in Melbourne and does amazing work around transition of states in Australia, like in their recent Northern Territory report, and of industry. And I'll definitely be going back to Tim in the near future for more. I heard him give a talk at the University of Melbourne last year about emissions from the fracking industry, (laughs) and I don't think I slept well after that for about a week. The man really does know his stuff. So if you've got any specific questions you'd love to have Tim answer about the gas industry, about fracking, and about the transition from these industries, just let me know, and I'd love to get them answered in a future chat. I'd also love to have more conversations with current or former employees in the fossil fuel industry. I really believe we have to get out of our comfort zones and out of our bubbles and talk to people with different life experiences. And Tim's a great example of what can happen when someone leaves the fossil fuel industry and goes full speed at a sustainable future. Thank you, Tim, for your time and generosity in this interview and for powering through what was a pretty bad cold. I hope this is the first time you were all realizing that Tim was sniffling through the whole thing. If you've got any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out hello at climactic.fm or at Climactic Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't be shy about it. Tell a friend. Go to iTunes, search for Climactic, leave us a five-star rating and a nice little review. It would honestly mean the world to us. We have so much stuff to bring you in this month of July, so check back every Saturday for another episode of Climactic, your story on climate change. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective, a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. 
you can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening, and from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times. The Climactic Collective.